Good morning, church family. Good morning to those of you here and those at home. Good morning. As Minister Marlin said, we're going to prepare for the reading of our word. Today's reading comes from the book of John. We are in chapter 8, and we're going to be beginning at verse 1. Please take a minute to locate it in your Bibles. Again, we're in John chapter 8, and we're beginning at verse 1. And please read along with me. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Can somebody say thank you, Lord? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. just want to thank you, Lord. You've been so good. You've been so Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Can we give God a hand praise this morning? Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. With a grateful heart. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Because he's given Jesus Christ his son. Come on, help me out with this. Come on, and now. And now may the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. Let the poor say I am rich. Because of what? Because of what the Lord has done, the Lord has done for us. And now, and now, let the weak, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor, let the poor say, I am rich because of what? The Lord has done for us. Give thanks. Mm, give thanks. Oh, oh, give thanks. Give thanks. Oh, give thanks. Hallelujah. Can you clap your hands for the Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Amen. He's a great God. He's a good God. Amen. 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 I want to repeat after me. Take back the word. Somebody say it. Take back the word. Amen. Take back the word. Amen. No matter what that says, take back the word. Amen. Amen. All the rightness is God's and all the mistakes of mine. Take back the word. Amen. Take back the word. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing so much. Amen. Praise God. Those who are here, a few of us who are here. Uh, amen. And those for you at home. Amen. Good to see you. Let's pray. Dear God, we're grateful for this moment in time we have to lift up your name, to give you praise and honor. Um, we know that you're worthy and we want to tell you that you're worthy. We shout your fame. Uh, we call out your name, Jesus, Master, Savior, something about that name. Hallelujah. Demons tremble, we know, at the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. God, Jesus, you are the great, the great I am. And we praise you today. You are the bread of life. Hallelujah. Now, God, we ask you, open our hearts and minds to you, hearing your word and doing your word. This is our servant's prayer. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Would you clap your hands for the Lord God all over, wherever you are today, amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Take back, somebody say, take back the word. Amen. We're in John chapter 8, uh, and I'm in this uh, new short series of sermons. Uh, last week, uh, I preached Dear White People, 
And uh, this week I am preaching on taking back the word. Take back the word. Somebody said again, take back the word. Amen. And this is under the series of sermons entitled The Protests of Jesus. The Protests of Jesus. And we're in John, John chapter 8 this morning. And if you look at John chapter 8, if you would, uh, and um, we'll be there and we'll, we'll be also a little bit before there um, um, to uh, give you context and lead you up into finally into uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Amen. Here in the scripture, hallelujah, Jesus makes his way to Judea. Because, as the Bible tells us, as he's on his way to Judea, because his brothers told him that his disciples there needed to see the works he does. Now, he was in Galilee at first, um, but his brothers said, your disciples need to see you. Puff, can you turn that fan off for me? Amen. It feels good, but it's too loud. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I rem I'm reminded, amen, when in, the, in the 70s when my dad had the fan on. We didn't have, anybody did not have air conditioning, amen, and you had that big fan. You had to turn the TV way up, too, at the same, come on. Everybody's had, had their, you know, T-shirts and the men uh, stereotypically had the, 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 the sleeveless undershirt on. Hey, with the belly, and well, let's leave that there. Amen. So I just, I had a flashback. I wanted to get rid of that, that, that visual. <laughs> Amen. As I deliver. Amen. God's word. Amen. Amen. So here it is. Jesus makes his way to Judea because his brothers told him. I said that his disciples there needed to see the works he does, right? So his brothers thought, the reason why they said that is because his brothers thought he wanted to become a public figure. That's what the Bible says in chapter 7. They thought he wanted to become a what? A public, that's in verse 4, that he wanted to become this kind of public figure. So they told him in chapter 7 not to hide himself from the public because Jesus was in Galilee, as I said, when they thought he should be in Judea during the festival so he could be seen, so he could be what? A public figure. Even Jesus' own brothers did not believe in him at this time, who he really was. They thought that he was performing miracles for show, to be seen, to be what? Public. Verse 5 and 7, look at it with me in chapter 7, verse 5 and 7. It says, let's go back to verse 4. No one who wants to become a public figure at in secret. They told him, since you are doing these things, show yourselves to the world. Leave Galilee and come on to Judea with us to the festival. For even his own brothers, what does it say in verse 5? Did not, what? Believe in him. Verse 6, therefore Jesus told him, my time is what? Is not yet here for you any time will do. For you any time will do. Your, your time, you can just go, go ahead to Judea. You can go anytime. Why can they go anytime? Verse 7, because the world cannot hate you. Why? But it hates me. Why? Because I testify that its works are evil. Did you see that? Jesus is like, like this. 
You all can mingle with anybody since no one is going to come after you because the world loves you because you're not standing up because your presence in the world is not a protest. When I stand up, when I come on the scene, the world hates me, he's saying, Jesus is saying, because I testify that the world's works are evil. Did you see that? Verse 8. Look at it with me. You go to the festival, Jesus says. I am not going up to this festival because my time, what? Has not yet fully come. Write this. Jesus was strategic when he protested. Jesus, isn't that right? Was strategic when he protested. He said, my time, what? Has not fully come. Jesus was strategic when he protested because timing, beloved, the timing that his own father gave him was critical to follow, right? He was not led by emotion, listen to me, in his protest. He was led by the spirit of God. Now, a byproduct of being led by the spirit can be our emotions, but we need to be led, come on, Holy Ghost people, by the spirit of the living God. Jesus didn't always go where his life was in danger. Right? Here's a case in point. Because when he did go, he first went in secret. Look at verse 8 again and go down to verse 10. Look at verse 8. You go to the festival. I am not going up to the festival because my time has what? Not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed where? He stayed in Galilee, verse 10. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not what? Publicly, not as a public figure, but what? In secret. You see it. Now go to verse 11. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking this, Where's, where is he? Verse 12, among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, nah, nah, buddy. He deceives the people. But no one, watch this, watch this. But no one, then they're confused, right? Because some are saying this and some are saying that about him. He's a good man, no, he deceives people. But no one would say anything, what? Publicly about him for fear, what, of the leaders. Why? Why, why, why was that? Listen, because their leaders never taught them the word right. Oh, help me, Lord. They never taught the people, the leaders, the Pharisees and the chief priests, never taught the word right. Watch this. Verse 14, they had fear. Of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were there were amazed and asked this. How did this man get such learning without having been taught? What's the context by whom? By us, right? 
Isn't that the context? Because we don't have control over what he's going to say because we haven't taught him what to say. Oh, help me, Lord. That's because the Pharisees didn't teach Jesus nor the people the right word. They control the people with the word, with their word. Come on, somebody. People teach people a word, and they use that word, not the word. Come on, not, not, not the word. They teach them a word that people believe is from the word in order to control people with a word that people think is the word. How about that? One of the main reasons the Pharisees hated Jesus was because his authority didn't come from them. You got it, right? Because they didn't teach him a word <laughs> that was supposed to be the word. They, so they had no control over him. Write this down. Jesus' teachings take you out of the control of man and into freeing hands of God. Jesus' teachings, Jesus' teachings take you out of the control of man and into freeing hands of God, into the freeing hands of God. Amen. Verse 16, look at it with me. As you're writing, you can listen along. Verse 16. I need to go back to 15 at the end. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such teaching without having been taught? Context by us. Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one, do you see this, who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Great scripture. The proof, see, is in following his teachings. You'll know if the teachings I teach come from God. Following his teachings will prove that they're from God. You follow Jesus' teachings, you'll know they're from God. Because his teachings, hallelujah somebody, is, they are always right. Amen. Even when they're uncomfortable, you know when you're following his teachings that they're right. There's something in your spirit that's agreeing with the spirit of the living God inside of you. Hallelujah. It testifies. The spirit, his spirit testifies to our spirit. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Jesus specifically here, specifically addresses his brother's assumption that he wanted to be a public figure. Remember that? He addresses that in verse 18. As he's teaching at the festival in Judea. Look at verse 18 with me. He says, whoever speaks on their own does so to gain what? Personal glory. Become, to become a what? A public figure. Context, right? But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing... I love this, false about him. So here it is, any preacher that speaks to gain personal glory to become the direct object of your life sentence is not a preacher from God. 
Every time there's a crowd, I need to say that again, any preacher that speaks to gain personal glory, to become the direct object of your life sentence, is not a preacher from God. Every time there's a crowd doesn't mean you have to be seen. Even when God calls you to be seen and heard, he doesn't call you to be a self-promoter. Example, when God called Dr. King, Reverend Dr. King, he was chosen by the ministers in his community to lead the, to lead the Montgomery Improvement Association that led to the Montgomery bus boycott. And one of the reasons he was elected, if you don't know, their president was because no one else was eager, listen to me, to accept the risk of white reprisal. Much of the world would hate Dr. King and attempt to take him down and even take his life. Just like Jesus' brothers, the other ministers weren't ready for all of that yet. In fact, the Montgomery bus boycott wasn't even Dr. King's idea. He actually had to germinate, uh, ruminate, if you, know, uh, if you know what I mean, over it. He had to chew over it. To see if it was the right thing. Obviously, he decided that it was the right thing to do. But he wasn't looking to lead. He was looking to be a professor. A pastor and a professor. That's it. Amen. He wasn't looking to be a public figure. Too many people today are looking to be public figures in a time when people are gathering and protesting. I don't want you to look to be a public figure. I want you to look to be a follower of Jesus. A disciple, do what Jesus did. Lay back in the cut and then come out. Come on. I'm not saying no protest. He, he, he's all right up in the mix. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. But it wasn't about his face being seen. It was about the timing. It was about God's strategic plan for him. Look at verse 14, if you will, with me again. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts. And begin to, to teach. The Jews were there. The Jews there were amazed and asked what? How did this man get such learning without having been taught? Let's stop there. Who gets taught? No one gets taught. The people who were subjected to the religious kingdom were not taught the word. So they could not speak with authority when they talked about the word because they didn't really know the word. So when Jesus spoke with authority like he knew the word, they were astounded. Somebody got it. And when the, the, the Pharisees taught the word, they acted like they didn't have authority because they actually didn't know the word. As much as they have studied, may have studied it, they interpreted it wrong. That's why Jesus and some of our Bible study people will know this. That's why Jesus' sermon on the mountainside in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 was so powerful because according to Matthew 5 and 29, it tells us that he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Because they taught like they didn't have authority. And they didn't because they didn't know the word. You can memorize the word. You can preach the word, but not know the word. Not know the word. That's why Jesus, somebody's thinking about a preacher right now who did all that and they're like, that's just wrong. 
That's why Jesus kept saying in his Sermon on the Mount, you heard it was said, but I say. You heard all the jokers before me say it this way, but I say it's this. Right? Didn't he do that? It was because why? It was because the Pharisees had interpreted the scriptures wrong. They had kept the word from the people. That's how they were able to interpret it the way, that way, it, it the way that gave them control over the masses. The people didn't know scripture. They thought they wouldn't know where the Messiah was from uh, when he came to them. They didn't know it because they weren't taught it. They were, they said, well, we don't know where, no one knows where he's supposed to be from according to scripture. They were taught a different faith. They were taught a faith that tethered them to the Pharisees. They were taught a faith that told them they were bound by the temple, bound by their faith leaders, bound by their governmental authorities, as well as the authorities of the empire. They were subjected to a religious empire where they were never the subject, never the important part. They were only the subject when they stopped obeying the religious empire. That's when the religious leaders try to take control of the masses again. Y'all don't hear me. We've got to stop following the status quo, whatever the leadership of the religious majority tells us. Look at verse 25 with me. Actually, I want you to see something too. Let's go to 25. I'll show that to you in a minute. Actually, we're going to read down. Let's read down from verse 16. He says this from verse 16 down. He says, Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Verse 19, has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of, not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? They don't even know the law right. You see that? You are demon possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you were all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs. Well, y'all didn't know that because y'all don't know the word. You circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath, so he's trying to teach them the law. He's like, this is how much you don't know. You see that? He says, and now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? You don't even know the word. Stop judging me by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Here it is, verse 25, context. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask what? Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly. Watch this. And they are not saying a word to him. They're waiting for them to say something because they're waiting for their faith leaders to tell him whether he's a demon, he's demon possessed or whether he is the Christ. They're trying to figure out, tell us because we don't know because we don't know the word. Even in their mixed up way of trying to interpret the word, they don't even know the word. 
and confused. At that point in time, verse 25, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded then that he is the Messiah? Do you see this? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, he is his ignorance. No one, when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he's from. Wrong. Wrong. Micah 5 and 2. Example, the Lord says, Bethlehem. Ephrathah. You are one of the smallest towns in Judah. But out of you, Micah 5 and 2, will I bring a ruler for Israel whose family line goes back to ancient times. They didn't know where the Messiah was to be from because they didn't know the word. Because they hadn't been taught the word. Because the leaders were using it to control the masses. Look at verse, I think that point has been made. Look at verse 28. Look at it with me. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out what? Yes, you know me. We don't know where he's from. How can he be? No one will know where he's from. Remember he said they just said that? Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple, cried out because he knew what they were thinking. Yes, you know me. And you know where I'm from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him. Because you don't know the word. But I know him because I am from him. And he what? And he sent me you know know how here it is know who sent you when you go and protest know who sent you be there because god sent you not because you wanted to be there only don't come with your own authority when you protest come on somebody come with his authority write this down Come to protest with authority from the one who sent you. Come to protest with authority from the one who sent you. Can I get amen? Look at verse 30. At this they tried to siege him, but no one laid a hand on him. Why? Because his time hadn't come, right? Because his hour, remember that again, had not yet come i love that somebody say god's got you god's got you his hour has not come when your hour has not come they ain't gonna get you come on somebody and you know what i mean by they they ain't gonna get you look at verse 31 still many in the crowd believed in him they said when the messiah comes will he perform more signs than this man Verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. You know they were worried. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Why did they want to arrest him? Because they were like, this is the Messiah. Because will the Messiah, the quote unquote real Messiah comes, will he actually perform more signs than this man? I don't think so. Right? So the Pharisees, when they heard the crowd whispering such things about him, they then sent the temple guards to arrest him. Go to verse 45. I want you to see this. 
Skip down to 45. Context. Finally, the temple guards, verse 45, went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? They didn't arrest him. So the Pharisee chief priests, why didn't you bring him in? What's up? What happened? Verse 46, no one ever spoke the way this man does. The guards replied. They couldn't do it. Why? Because Jesus' time had not come. And they couldn't do it because they knew he was somebody. They knew that the authority on which he spoke was greater than the authority of both their chief priests and their Pharisees who told them to arrest Jesus. They were, in fact, the temple guards, the temple guards, not just guards, the temple guards. Verse 47, you mean he has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted to the temple guards, have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, they said. But this mob, watch this, that knows nothing of the law. Why? Because they didn't teach them the law. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Yeah, you didn't teach it to them. They know nothing because you taught them nothing. You, this is good. If you look at the scripture in the context, like, wow, it all fits together. You withheld the word from them. And even the word that you did teach them, you misinterpreted. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you heard it was said, but I say. We are facing the results of that crime of not teaching the word to quote unquote the disciples of Christ. We are facing that crisis now. Many believers not knowing the word because they were either never taught it right or they were not taught what they were taught. They weren't taught it at all or they were taught what they were taught was a misinterpretation of it that was meant to oppress others, to control others, to enslave a race of people, to deport a race of people, to silence poor people, to rob the poor and give it to the rich in the name of Jesus. It is what Jesus learned without being taught. He learned the word. He knew the word because he's God without being taught it. Because Jesus was a protester, he was questioned constantly about his authority, where it came from. Wait a second, we don't know the word. How do you know the word? The man, and I mean big M, capital M, let me say that again. The man and his minions questioned him about it because they believed he may not have the right to say anything, to speak out at all. Because they didn't know where his authority came from. Don't be afraid to speak out when you are on the side of the Lord, no matter what kind of pressure you may get from others to keep quiet. That's when Jesus was constantly questioned about matters of the law. Is it lawful, Jesus, to do what you're doing? And is it lawful to do it when you're doing it? Sound familiar? 
I'm not talking about 2,000 years ago. I am, and I'm talking about today. They even questioned who Jesus was doing it with in order to try to delegitimize his protest, what he was saying and who he was standing up for and with. Sound familiar? Well, there are people in that crowd. There are unsavory people in that crowd protesting, trying to delegitimize the protest. This is old. This is what the people who tried to control the masses do, historically. It is an old playbook. It's an old tune to a familiar refrain. It is the way more than 2,000, it is a way that is more than 2,000 years old. Just here. It is how the enemy works. One of Satan's warfare tactics is to question God's authority. That's a whole nother sermon. One of Satan's warfare tactics is to question, I'll say it again, God's authority, God's truth. Isn't that right? He didn't say you couldn't eat that. This is what Satan and those who follow him do. They try to get you with God's own words. Satan even tried to get Jesus with God's own words. Just jump off that cliff. The word says his angels will catch you. This is what they do. What are you talking about, Pastor? The Bible, they try to accuse you with the Bible. What are you talking about? They try to accuse you With the Bible. Oh, the Bible says that we are subject to the governing authorities. We are to submit, you heard that, to those who rule over us. Yeah, take it out of context. Go ahead, take the Apostle Paul, Paul's words out of context. Oh, we are supposed to submit to those who rule over us, to, to the governing authorities. In what country are you talking about? Iran, Iraq in the 90s, under, uh, whether it's under Saddam Hussein? What, what are you talking about? We're supposed to uh, uh, submit to those who rule over us. Are you talking about Germany in the early 1940s under Adolf Hitler? What are you talking about? What state are you referring to and when? Arkansas, when it was so legal to lynch black people that pictures of it made the local newspapers as a celebratory note for the community? What are you talking about? Alabama, all the way through the Civil Rights Act of 1965, the Voting Rights Act of 1968. Do you actually think that that's what the Apostle Paul meant when he penned those words to keep oppressed people's necks under the knee or inside the noose of the oppressor? Do you really think that's what he meant? Help me, Lord. Oh, Jesus. I want you to see something. Man, please. 
here's this women, a woman that they brought into the, they brought into the, into the, into the temple courts. And what's crazy about this is that when they brought her in, right? And then he said, and I'll get into it and then get out of it. He said that he was without sin cast the first stone. And the older ones left first. I'm sure the older ones left first because they had more time to commit more sin than the younger ones. <laughs> we don't know what Jesus wrote on the ground. Let me read it for you to remind you. At dawn, he appeared again, verse 2 in chapter 8, in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group, all these men, bringing a woman. I'll just let that sit right there. Before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Verse 5, the law of Moses commands us. They don't know, right? They don't know the intent of the law, right? They may have memorized the scripture, but they don't know the scripture. Come on, somebody. And said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law of Moses. It commands us to stone such women, such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question, obviously, as a trap, right? In order to what? Have a basis for what? Accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground again, right? At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones went first. Mm -hmm. Until only Jesus was left with the woman standing still there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? No one has condemned you. No one has condemned you? No, no one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go and leave your life of sin. We do not know what Jesus wrote on the ground. It could have been, and I've heard many sermons preached on this scripture. It could have been his response. Let any of you, one of you who is without sin, be the first to cast, to throw a stone at her. He could have wrote that down. And that he wrote it twice when he went down again and wrote some more down. He could have written down their personal sins. I've heard that preach. Nothing wrong with neither one. Uh, because Jesus knew all about them. And he wrote down their own sins. And the second time he wrote, he continued with their personal list of sins. And they identified with it and they rolled out. But the fact is that we are not supposed to know what he wrote down. Because the scripture would have told us otherwise. Right? We're not supposed to know. And perhaps the answer then would distract us if we knew what he wrote down, would perhaps distract us from the point being made here. Verse 9, that those who heard, you see that? 
Verse 9, those who heard what? Went away. Do you see it? One, what does it say? At a time. Those who what? Saw what he wrote? No. Those who heard what he said. So it was what they heard, you got it, not so much what they saw. So perhaps, maybe the point of Jesus writing on the ground was more about Jesus just waiting for what they, would, they heard him say to sink in. Right? What you say can be so pointed, it can be enough. Did you hear what I say? What I just said. What you say can be so pointed, so exact, it can be enough. And anything else that you say could distract others from what you just said. They kept on questioning him, the Bible says here. As he got down on the ground and started writing, right, on the ground, they kept on questioning him. Badgering him, right? And Jesus used their barrage of questioning him to make them listen more to what he would eventually say. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is brilliant. So it's not, Jesus is brilliant. So it's not the enemy's constant questions that stand out. Because the enemy will tweet forever. It's not the enemy's constant questions that stand out. It's Jesus' one answer that does. That's a strategy for protest, if I've ever seen one. That's a strategy for retort. Sometimes you only need to say one thing. And that one thing can be repeated, but it just needs to be one thing. For a response to oppression, to evil intent. You don't need a lot of words. Come on, you just need one sentence sometimes. So they, don't con they walk away, they don't condemn. They don't stone the woman. They walk away one at a time, the older ones leave first. Then the young ones, no one's left. And Jesus says, Who can, who's here to condemn you? She says, no one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. He's saying they can't condemn you. Listen to me. The oppressor wants to condemn you. He wants to sentence you to a life of oppression. But Jesus tells us that no matter what wrong we have done, their condemnation means nothing because Jesus sets us free. Write this down. The oppressor's condemnation is their control. Wrap it back together. With the word, they use the word to control. And they use the word to control. How do they use the word to control? They use the word to what? Condemn. Right? The oppressor's condemnation is their control. But who the oppressor condemns, Jesus sets free. Can I get amen? Who the oppressor condemns. The, oppressor, the oppressor's condemnation is their control. But who the oppressor condemns, Jesus sets free. They don't know the scriptures like they think they do. I'm talking about the religious majority of people who call themselves white evangelicals. They don't know the scriptures like they think they do. 
And now they're finally confronted with someone who has more knowledge of the scriptures than they do, Jesus. I'm talking about the ancient white evangelicals. Come on, somebody. And now they're finally confronted here in the scripture with someone who has more knowledge of the scriptures than they do. They are confronted with someone who has more authority than they have. Beloved, we've got to know the word so we can use it to defeat those who are seeking to oppress us, most of whom call themselves followers of Jesus. And we defeat them, how? By knowing not just the word, but the intent of the word, because they don't, even when they say they do. And when we know the word, we can come out and process with authority that many people haven't even seen before, that will cause people to listen to us and turn away from these modern-day Pharisees who want to control us all. Write this down. We need to take the Bible out of the president's hand and slap him with its words. We need to take the Bible out of the president's hands and slap him with its words. Pimp slap that fool with the word of God. We need to take the Bible out of the hands of pastors who represent him. Not him, but him. We need to take the Bible out of the hands of politicians who represent the president. People who represent him and slap them with that same word that brings power to the accused, power to the oppressed, Power to the poor, power to the prisoner, power to the mass incarcerated, power to the people who are racially profiled. The president couldn't even reference his favorite scripture when he was asked. Come on, that's an okie doke. Anybody been on the street, any people that been down on the street and lived a little bit on the street knows that's the okie doke. That's the cat on the corner. Well, there's so many of them. He didn't even know that one. That's what I said. Jesus wept. Come on now. He said, well, I said, it, I'm not, I can't tell you that because it's personal. Nah, it ain't because it's personal. Because it's not personal. Because you don't know anything. It was because he doesn't know a single scripture. A single. Did you hear what I said? A man who doesn't know the, a single scripture lifts a Bible up in front of a church. And he doesn't care to ever even know a scripture. He didn't even fake it. And yet, he has the nerve to hold the Bible up like he knows what it says? Man, pimp slap him with that word. And even the so-called pastors who support him, who have memorized scripture after scripture, have preached sermon after sermon for decades, don't know the intent of the word because they fail miserably at interpreting its intent. Period. End of discussion. Drop the mic. We must reclaim the Bible from the oppressor. Stand to your feet. Reclaim God's word from the capital M-A-N. Take back the word.
take back the word from the chief priests, from the Pharisees of this world. Take it back. They stole it from you. 